All right. Hello, idiots on parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast, bonus podcast. That is my good friend, Barrett Antar Goodwin, musician in New York City. Hi, Barrett. Hey, how are you, sir? I am well. I am Nathan Timmel, comedian in Iowa City. Um, Barrett and I have known each other for more years than we're willing to admit to, admit to because then you know, you'd know our age and how close to AARP we are. Um, so we're just going to hide that and pretend we're younger than we are. We're, we're hip and cool, right? We're, we're into what That's the right. kids are into. And That's right. We're into that funky, fresh stuff that the kids like. Skateboarding and going to the roller <laughs> rink and exactly. arcade games. The drive-in. Uh, what? <laughs> um, the drive-in's coming back now. It's like a thing now. Literally, the drive-ins are like the most popular places now. I'm taking the kids on Saturday. They have it's not a yeah. drive-in; it's it's a setup one Crazy. at the, the local airport. But I've tried to take them to two. Each one is an hour on either side of me, and my wife won't do it because, like, ah, oh, it doesn't start till nine, and then they'll be in a car for an hour after that. I'm like, come on, let's just do it. But then they they for the month of yeah, there's they, they put one at the local airport. They said it's free; you just got to register and and sign up your car. So yeah, I'm taking them this Saturday. Oh, that's awesome. How it's fun not, is it's that? on my daughter's birthday and our wedding anniversary, as I mentioned. And ooh, at the end, you'll plug your gig. You have a gig this Saturday, right? I do indeed. Yeah, we'll talk about that. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's that's our story: is uh, college roommates and friends, and we talk and we record it, and yes, see where it goes. What I, what I wanted to talk about today was very interesting. That you know how the the old saying, like you buy a car and then you see that car everywhere. Mm-hmm. I saw this. I think it was a meme or maybe a news article. I don't remember. It was a sentence that just, once I saw it, it was like, holy shit, that just makes all the sense in the world. That, why was I not ever able to articulate that? Because it just spoke such truth to me. Um, then it started repeating itself. I was listening to a podcast and they brought it up. And then I experienced something with a friend, which we'll get into um, that was along the same lines. The the quote that hit me was, and I'm going to paraphrase because I didn't write it down, but basically the discussion or the article was saying that the problem with information these days is most good investigative journalism hides behind a firewall, whereas conspiracy theories and bullshit are just on blogs and YouTube videos. And I've experienced that a million times. I'll see an ad for like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and they're like, ooh, coronavirus update. And I'll click it and it goes, subscribe now, give us money. And I'm like, fuck you. And, and I get it. <laughs> they need money to say it. They have to pay reporters to, you know, do the investigating and the writing and the, it's, it costs money, but it, it, it explains why misinformation spreads. If good information yeah. costs money and stupidity is free, guess what people are going to pay attention to when they click on it. They're, they're going to be like, oh, I can't read that, but this, this video is free. And, and it just made nothing but sense. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's true. Yeah, I think it's really true. And I think it's really interesting because I think that in a world where like, not only are things covered, they're hidden behind a paywall, they're also in a particular situation in which like, because of social media, we're all trained to want people to pay attention to us. So there's a lot of impetus for regular people just to go and put out their opinion. And because of stuff, if you get it to be divisive, you will get followers. And it really does feel good when people like your stuff. 
Do you know what I mean? So like you can have a blog or a YouTube page or a thing. And I like, well, I'm trying to think of an example of someone who started off reasonable and then just turned into like over time, turned into a real shithead because I, I of it. I have two thoughts while you think. Um, mm-hmm. One, you made me think of that famous part of Howard Stern where you talk about if you, you, you be divisive, they were like, oh, people who love you listen for 10 minutes. Oh, and people who hate you listen for 20 minutes. What, why? They, and the, the line was, they want to hear what he'll say next. They, they, remember that line in the movie? Yeah, so you made me think of that. But at the very end where you said you were trying to think of someone, um, I thought of Alex Jones, not because he falls into that category, but because he does not. I listened to a podcast. I can't remember. Oh, it was about the year 2000. It was about the Y2K bug. It was was a very interesting podcast. It was six uh, short episodes. And um, they played an Alex Jones podcast or radio show back in the day. He was on from 1999 and he was ranting and raving and saying the government forces are kicking in doors right now they're taking over the country this is ha-. so he's never changed he's always been a fucking <laughs> lunatic it was just weird to think to hear that and go wow people still listen to him i mean you could play that tape of things that were not happening that he was insisting were happening and people still listen to him but maybe maybe that's our problem is neither you or i seem to be divisive enough it's it's we have thoughts and we try and articulate them and listen and go, maybe we just need to start saying the most outrageous shit, whether or not we believe it just to get people angry. So then they watch and comment and get angry at us and then it spreads and then people take our side and then people take the other side. I don't want any part of that, but that seems to be, as you said, one of the ways to get popular. Yeah. It comes down to the authenticity thing, though. You know, like, I think at the end of the day, I think that, and I'm, who knows if my theory is correct. It's just a theory I'm going to work with these days. I feel like there's so much bullshit out there that it takes, it takes something genuine to rise to the top and have any staying power. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just don't know. Like, I was listening to Ray Charles the other day, and I was like, man, this is, like, some good stuff. You know what I mean? And it's just like, and it's like, you know, it's cliche. Of course, Ray Charles or Aretha or whatever. It's like, yeah, but there's a reason. Yeah. Like, it's not like a fad, like, everybody likes Aretha and Ray because, like, it's the popular thing to do you know what i mean maybe it was but it's also because it's just fucking good you know what i mean i'll, I'll give you a, a, a I'll, I'll take your example and build out in a weird way if you're okay with it uh, stevie mm-hmm. wonder there's a reason yeah. his work in the 70s still gets played and his stuff in the 80s gets mostly ignored i mean what are you going to put on right. living in the city or jungle fever right yeah i mean yeah, the 80s was rough for everybody. <laughs> that's Slayer. Well, that's true. It's Slayer, Metallica, Motley Crue. Yeah. The birth of rap, which grew into hip-hop. A lot of amazing things were born in the 80s. That's true. Someday, I will write an essay on how Motley Crue was the most important band of the 80s. <laughs> I can argue it. I will go into a debate club and argue that. 
all right. I, Wait, do you I, want my reasoning right now? I, 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 I'm scared, but yes. Well, everybody <laughs> copied them. Everybody in, in the metal world, not the rap and not the pop. But think about it. When they came out, uh, not, not so much with um, Too Fast for Love, because that wasn't big, but when Shout at the Devil hit, they launched. And so suddenly, everybody was looking at them going, wow, they're, they've got the, the, the war paint, and the, not like Kiss, but Kiss had already taken it and theirs off, um, and the leather and the scary. So everybody kind of did that. Then when they said, okay, we've already done that, they came out with Theater of Pain. What happened with Theater of Pain? Everybody went glam. Bon Jovi came out of nowhere. Ozzy Osbourne started wearing glitter. I mean, look it up. Uh, Kiss wore glitter. Everybody, Cinder Fella, uh, Britney Fox. So Motley Crue then said, all right, we're not doing that again. They put on jeans and leather for girls, girls, girls. Suddenly Bon Jovi and Kiss and all the other bands are taking off the glitter and just dressing normal or like biker wannabes or something like that. And then going back to Theater of Pain, Motley Crue puts out Home Sweet Home. It goes huge. Suddenly, every even, not, not Iron Maiden, but Judas Priest and every band, Kiss, had to have a power ballad. Ozzy Osbourne, I know I'm saying the same three bands, but I mean, there were other ones in there like Rat, who would have, would, were one-offs. But <laughs> everybody copy Motley Crue. From Shout at the Devil all the way to Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue set the terms for hair metal in the 80s. Did anything I just say, was anything wrong? They were the first ones. Everybody followed them to glam. Everybody gave up glam when they gave it up. Everybody started putting out a power ballad. As I mean, do you, do you think that they were just ahead of the curve and everybody just caught up after the fact? Or do you think that people were actually legitimately following in their footsteps? I think that, well, following the curve is pretty much saying what's already out there. Shit, we need to do that. And that's what every other band was doing at yeah. least in the metal world, not Metallica and Slayer, but you know what I mean? And in, in that hair metal popular world. And when, when was that, that VH1 show when eighties ruled the world, ruled the world or when metal ruled the world about the 1980s. I mean, people, kids today, and I, and I don't mean that in the old man way, kids today. I mean, <laughs> they, they don't understand how big metal was and how pervasive it was because I don't think there's anything like that today. I know rap is everywhere and country's everywhere, but diversity's everywhere. You do have rap and country, and you don't really have metal anymore. I mean, metal dominated the 80s, and Motley Crue dominated metal. So maybe I don't need to write the essay. I've just laid it out right there. Are you point? I mean, I wouldn't be able to know the fine details enough to argue it. I would say. Second story I'm telling about this guy today. Uh, one of my friends was a manager, and he said, if you want to make a lot of money, make music that makes young white kids want to smash shit. If you want to make money, you make something that makes young black kids want to smash shit. But some boy's got to be smashing some shit if you want to make some money. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. And it's not necessarily funny. true, but like, but there is a there is a, an argument to be made that like the pop the like that rap in the day and metal in the day were the same music for two different kinds of people for right the same demographic like you could argue that like death metal and gangster rap if the lyrics in death metal 
speak to the lives of those kids in a, some kind of profound way. So it's the same, it, it, that it's the same music, right? It's the I, same I emotions I hear where you're coming put from. to music, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, oh, and, and it's not a hard and fast rule, obviously, but it was a guideline. I was like, oh. But also crossed point, over because you know I mean? not not with not with the death, not with the gangster rap, but who? No, with Public Enemy, Anthrax yeah, and Public Enemy. Anthrax, Public Enemy. Yeah, they they mm-hmm. met in the middle, like they they admired right. one another. They were both New York. Weren't was right. Public Enemy New York? I think so. Yeah, I don't know for sure though. But either way, but, 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 they, they, but then you also had Run DMC and Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. Which I was like, and I could totally see that. Right? I could totally see that as a pairing. I couldn't see Run DMC with Anthrax or Public no. Enemy with Aerosmith. You know what I mean? But you're, but right. It's like the same kind of energy. Do you know what I mean? The same kind of stuff. You know, and I think that it had. Anthrax come out a few years later, like the Rage Against the Machine time, they would have been more like Rage. Do you know what I mean? They would have had lyrics more I, like yeah, something like that. that. Well, they kind of I did. Could, they're, they're Among the Living was yeah. kind of political. They had the song Indians because mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. The lead singer was Native American. And uh, right. yeah, they, the, the song was about Native rights. Right. Yeah, like I think they'd have oh, they they come up in a time where political lyrics were more the more what was acceptable for pop radio right i think they would have done that you know which would have been interesting yeah you know anyway well there you go look at you taking us on an on an 80s detour why not but i might my uh tom let's steer back to the news then if you want yeah let me okay so I'll, I'll i'll try and get us back on track i'll tell you uh the experience i had with a friend of mine online but he's a friend i've met him you know i know him um we we've been i've known him since about 2004 i think and we've been i don't want to say growing apart but drifting in a way that politically not not personally not like but i, I he, he seems to be going more white liberal liberal woke and i seem to be going more centrist and what happened today, this happened this morning, is uh, I, last night before I went to bed, I saw something on Twitter and I went, oh, that's got to be a joke. And I woke up this morning and it was on the news. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's silly. So I, I, I searched for the, and this, this all ties back into the beginning, I searched for the story um, and I had three sources come up and two of them were protected by a firewall, but Fox News was not. So I just pulled it. I said, all right, I'm going to post a link to Fox News because they allow you to show the story. And my buddy commented on it and said, Fox News, I'm not clicking that. That's bullshit. I'm not giving them the clicks. I'm not giving them whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't believe it. He said, I'm not buying it. He goes, that's bullshit. I'm not clicking on it. I'm not buying it. And I'm like, huh. All right. And then someone else posted below that a link to the same story, only not from Fox News. And he goes, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it is true. And I'm like, and he had said a couple <laughs> months ago, he had talked in detail about the sources he trusts and gets, and they were very, very narrow. He had a very narrow view of sources he trusted or that he, he watched. I'm like, okay, I, 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 I get news from everywhere. And it's, it's one of those things where I personally, okay, if I'm clicking on Fox, I, I know it's going to have a slant to the right. If I'm clicking on MSNBC, it has a slant to the left. So somewhere in the middle is going to be the truth. So I look at it all and determine 
where the fluctuation is. But I don't really outright dismiss anything. I mean, I can outright dismiss Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson because for the <laughs> most part, they're blowhards. They're not news. They're just commentators. But when it comes to news, again, there will be variations to one side or the other. But to completely say I'm not clicking on that and I don't trust it and it's bullshit because of the source, yeah, I get that when it's the Drudge Report. But, you know, what are your thoughts there? And again, the reason I chose that one is because the other two were protected by firewalls and I, and I couldn't post them. I'm like, well, if I post this, people just say, can't see the article. One of those bait and switch things where, oh, look at the thumbnail, click this. Nope, you can't see it. I mean, I mean, I have a real issue with the way that information is is put forth these days. I think it's really, really terrifying that as a as a the young people are growing up in a time in which they literally can't trust anything. You know, like like when they you shouldn't and I, trust anything, right? They yes. do, but they shouldn't. They do, but they shouldn't. Yes. Because when you and I were kids, and I don't say this to sound funny, but like science was science. You just trusted it. You know what I mean? The politicians were politicians and you knew they were kind of lying and taking a little bit from everybody and skimming a little bit off the top and a little bit off the bottom and shaving some off the middle. But you still thought that they were going to take care of you. Do you know what I mean? Like they still like still gave you some shit. Like, like I grew up in a Democrat family, but like, Nobody, like when Reagan was, was president, like my parents, it sucked, but it didn't really suck. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was like, he did some shit that was fucked up, but it didn't feel like what it feels like today politically. My parents did not feel like what, what parents feel like today. Do you know what I mean? Like they didn't feel like, it was very relaxed. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I can remember the Bush years is being like shitty, but like, I mean, you know, it wasn't this. Well, I, mean? I, like, I, you know, I can't tell you the first one, maybe 2000. I don't know. I do you remember being a kid and even a teenager and even a young adult and the elections were not the most important election of our lifetime. I think right. that started somewhere around 2000, where suddenly that election was the most important of our lifetime. Then 2004, because we're at war. Then 2008, because there's a black guy running. Then 2012, because, oh my God, the black guy's been president for four years. Then 2016, because holy shit, we have this asshole running. And now 2020, holy shit, the asshole's president. I mean, every election has been the most important one, because it's been built up more and more to be this, as yeah. opposed to... Reagan, which was, don't like him, but we can eventually vote him out. Shit, he got voted back in. All right, don't like him, but he's done. His, you know, he can't run a third time. Shit, Bush Sr. got in. You know, like, it was unhappy, but yeah. actually maybe even earlier with Clinton, with Newt Gingrich, maybe that's when it started, which was, they, they really started saying, you know, we got to get this guy out of here, and they went after him with everything. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think that, but can you imagine... Like if you were born in 2005, let's say you're 15 years old right now. You've grown up in a time post 9-11. So everything is scary, right? Like, like, when, like when we were kids, 
we ran around. Our parents were, I think, the first generation of people to start getting divorces kind of routinely. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like we were alive in the time when you could be a latchkey kid, right? And you could have two different homes and like that was like a brand new thing for it to be really widespread. Do you know what I mean? Because it wasn't like, you know, it was a weird thing. So we grew up in a weird time period, I think, where we had freedom and we and our just living life gave you critical thinking skills because you had freedom, like you would leave and do shit. I wasn't rolling my eyes at you. The cat's not allowed in the basement and it just ran in uh, here. So that's, that's, I was, that's, it happens. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? And I think kids nowadays grow up in a post 9-11 world where everything is scary and everything has bumpers. You make a joke about it. Yeah. About was everything the, scary to the kids or it's scary to the parents who then instill that fear? Right, in the kids. Then, they don't let right. the kids do anything. Right. I mean, you know, a couple of kids end up on milk cartons and all of a sudden everybody's like, nobody's kid can leave the house. And then, but you have the joke about it where you on the Well, you saw that study, show, right? Sorry, know? I didn't mean, to, what, what joke right. were you talking about? You have the joke where you're on the, the, the swing joke where you oh, yeah, yeah, the, the swing and you get oh, all yeah, fucked yeah, up yeah. and now you bounce. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And there's no the milk carton thing. Did you hear that study or that, that report or they've done like the number of kid kidnappings has gone down, but the paranoia has gone up because when the kids right. went on the milk cartons, uh, as, as right. our parents discover, Oh shit, kids can get taken. Then yeah, the, the awareness is what spread it. Right. It, it wasn't, there wasn't that, a spike in kidnappings. It I was mean, just, right that oprah right what what wasn't oprah started telling people about pedophiles dressed up like they disguise themselves as ice cream man and shit you're like oh my god like people but but like that wasn't us do you know what i mean like we weren't we were too young to be affected by it but also too old to be affected by it in a weird way but like people who were our age during the Oprah time or a little bit older than us, like people who are a little bit older than us. So their kids are now like, like, like 30, you know what I mean? Like people like that, those people were adults during that time. So they were like young adults getting formed in scary shit. And then they went off and had children. And now, and now their children were overprotected. Now, kids are even more overprotected you're you grew up in a time when you weren't protected but your kids are overprotected maybe not by you but by everything else in society and now you have and so i feel like the kids nowadays have no there's nothing for them to trust there's all these rules and regulations (laughs) there's this crazy shit like it's like it's like a perfect storm do you know what i mean like i don't you know like i don't yeah I do, but I, I think it depends on maybe where you are or who you are, because my neighborhood, and I'm only speaking just the small, the, there, there are three, four, five families where all the kids play together, and we never know where they are. Like, we just get these mass texts at four o'clock. All right, where are the kids? I don't know. I have no clue. Anybody have them at your house? And so, in a sense, we have that trust where my daughter's like, I'm going to this house. Like, okay. And then you find out they're not there because they went to someone else's house. It's like, we know, or maybe we, be, we just believe they're what safe. Does? Like, okay, they, they went in that yard and then they went across the street because they're not old enough to like, okay, now we're teenagers. We're going to take well, off. But 
but you actually know your neighbors. Yeah, that's the thing and is we know, know the neighbors children. and we know they're going to be one yeah. of these houses, you know, but. Right. See, I grew up like that too. I grew yeah. up in a place where I knew my neighbors and all the kids played together. Something interesting. I have a friend who's Orthodox, an Orthodox Jewish cat, right? Builds guitars. Great guy. And um, he... Uh, wait, wait, wait. What you're saying is now not only will Jewish people run the media and Hollywood, they're going to run music too? Oh, here we go. <laughs> say something divisive. We need comments. We need exactly. hatred. We need people angry at us to get the views. See what I did? Right. I'm helping us. That's right. You're going to take the page out of Mel Gibson's success plan. Yes. <laughs> He's famous, isn't he? That made him more famous than the couple movies before that. <laughs> exactly. But he said Maybe you know, he builds he guitars. Up, so, but he grew up Jewish, but and maybe even Orthodox. But there was a period of his life in his like in his teen, late teens to twenties, where he was just, you know, just kind of lived a life of a normal person, whatever that means. I, I don't, you know. <laughs> he was <laughs> I mean, Jewish, like, but then he became normal. <laughs> right? And I'm what the I one that's is, being insulting. What Are you I, what hearing I mean the Jewish like, people? What, what I mean is that, like, if you're, but the, living an Orthodox lifestyle is very different than just living, like, I'm just going to go be a regular person because there's very specific rules and regulations and stuff, right? And then he, he then as when he got married and had children, they moved to an Orthodox neighborhood and, and became Orthodox again, I suppose. He, the boomerang returned home, right? And when I asked him about it, we were talking about it, and he said, well, so the thing about living in a community like this that's really interesting is everywhere my kids go, I know that they're going to be eating the way I would feed them. There's nothing crazy on the TV that I wouldn't be watching. Like, he knows that in every household, on average, his kids are going to get treated the same as they do in his household. Minus the extreme amount of love and affection, obviously, yeah. but just on the, the general stuff, they're going to get decent food, no nonsense on the TV or the radio, no one's going to be cursing or doing any dumb, just dumb shit around them, you know what I mean? And the streets are safe, and they can walk back and forth at night, and I was like, that is a fascinating thing, because that is how I grew up, too, and it wasn't an Orthodox community, it was just a working class kind of semi-professional class neighborhood you know what i mean and and we had that same kind of sense of community and it sounds like you guys have that nowadays which is fascinating like you trust these people enough to know that like your kids aren't going to be eating like shit over there no worse than they eat at your place they're not going to be watching anything crazier than they watch at your place and we you know got I mean? and if they do we get a text i mean right we we got a text yeah. uh, hey i'm nice. taking your kid to the raptor center we're going to go hiking it's like okay i didn't even know she was at your house but and then we got a text <laughs> after that is it okay if i take your kid to culvers and i was like sure you know it's uh, do they have culvers on the east coast Okay, it's it's um, like uh, on a scale of one to ten, if McDonald's is a one, it's like a five. It's still fast food. It's an ice cream place. It's like it's it's a it's like a better version of a Dairy Queen. So it's junk food, but it's not like garbage, garbage like McDonald's. But either way, it got a text like, "Hey, is it okay if I take your kid to this fast food restaurant?" For the most part, like it's hand prepared. But you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, absolutely. If you're willing to buy my kid lunch, I'm not gonna say no. They it's a treat for them. But yeah, that's what happens. Right. It's yeah. trust and checking in. We've done it with their kids. Like, hey, we're going to go do this. You know, your kid's in the car. Is that cool? Yeah, we we know each other. It's 
Yeah. It is what you said. That's it's a actually, but in that, and that's, I think, that's what I think is missing for most people. I think most people don't have that these days. Not in the same way. I you could be wrong. A city suburban thing? No, because I go back. My sister's in the house that I grew up in right now. Yeah. You know, like she's in the house and I go there and they know the neighbors, but not really. Hmm. The kids don't hang out anymore. Like when I was a kid, it was like be home when the streetlights come on or be home for dinner time or right. whatever. Be within the sound of my my loud voice when I yell your name, you better hear me, you know, whatever. But and all the kids played in the street. Everybody knew everybody. And we went in and out of each other's houses all the time. It's not like that now. My nephew's there and he doesn't have that kind of life. I don't know anybody who has that kind of life these days. It's all scheduled play dates and all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Well, we did that not, with our when, when the kids were younger and Truman is, is young enough to where we'll still like the, the two neighbor boys that are a couple of houses over will like, hey, can they play? Because he's too young to just go knock on the door. But yeah. so it always happened within the past couple of years with, with Hilly. Where how she old is turned, he? he? He just turned six the other day. Well, how old were you, though, when you could leave your house and knock on your neighbor's door? Well, what you said earlier, when I was in third grade, whatever that is, that might be eight. My daughter is going in the third grade. She's eight. So when I was eight, I was a latchkey kid. I walked, I right. could look yeah. it up. I did once uh, through the, not inner city of Milwaukee, but, you know, if I took you there. And Around the colors? What's that? Around the colors? <laughs> it, was, it was weird and scary. No, I was... Uh, I was the honey nut Cheerio in the Cocoa Puffs. Um, <laughs> or just the Cheerio in the Cocoa Puffs. I don't know why I had to put honey nut in there. I was just the Cheerio that fell in the Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> or the chocolate Cheerios. I was the che I'm, I'm Now I'm mixing cereals and metaphors. <laughs> um, well, not metaphors. Anyway, but yeah, I, 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 was, I was a latchkey kid at eight years old. My dad uh, and mom were separated for a while. And so I would walk my ass to school and then walk home. And let myself in and watch Fury and the Little Rascals, you know, racist shows, uh, Black Horse, Alfalfa, no, not Alfalfa, Buckwheat. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's where I was at eight. At eight, I was walking yeah, in a that city. A that was a perfectly normal thing for people who were not poor to do with their children. Yeah. That's a, used to be a thing that only poor people experienced. Do you know what I mean? Like only poor kids were self sufficient at five, six, seven, eight, nine, generally speaking, because both parents were working, right? It was like, you know, yeah, that's a weird thing, right? Like how many middle class, I knew tons of middle class, upper middle class. We were lower middle class. I mean, like I said, we, we lived in the lower but, half of a flat. Uh, well, to, well, I mean, if you had to walk through the black neighborhood, obviously you weren't rich. I was in the black neighborhood. Then we moved into it. <laughs> right. so when mom obviously. showed up and got, we got back together, we right. moved further into the like closer to school. So it was like, oh, all right. Right, exactly. I didn't have so. to cut through the park uh, anymore. The park that they uh, eventually cut all the bushes out of because rapists, robbers and rapists, I, I combined those two words and said, rap it, rape, yeah. I don't even know what I said. But yeah, <laughs> the, the police eventually needed a clear line of sight across the park, so they had to cut out all the shrubbery and uh, and offend any Monty Python fans. <laughs> Get you with your your uh, IQ test jokes. <laughs> Not even that, just just dumb references. <laughs> That's actually something that see now here's something funny that I think is interesting. 
And I think it's arguably caused by multiculturalism in a weird way. The weird side effect of it. When we were kids, you could have said anywhere up until very recently, anybody who was born before the year, I'm going to say 2005, if you went, these are not the droids you're looking for. They go, <laughs> right? Like, right? And everybody would get it. And now people don't get that joke. You can say things like, well, we're going to need a bigger boat. And people go, huh? Right? Mm -hmm. Because there's no common, there's no cultural narrative that goes through all races, genders, ethnicities, and things in the way that there used to be. Do you know well, what I mean? Because you could say those jokes, like if we, if we now are races down to only two kinds of people, black people and white people, right? But really just anybody who was born and raised in America, no matter what race you are, you could generally say certain song references and everybody gets them. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, it doesn't matter what style of music it is. There are certain references that, that are just like the gambler. You got to know when to hold them, know yeah. when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. I, I mean, anybody over a certain age gets that reference. Even if they don't know it, they'll go, they'll go, what's that? So they'll know it's Kenny Rogers or they'll think it's, or is it Willie or is it this guy? But they'll yeah. know what, you know what I mean? There's a sense of who it is. They know who Willie Nelson is, right? They're, you know what I mean? Even if they don't ever listen to country music, they, they know who Willie Nelson is. And like people, like there's none of that these days because there's 10,000 TV stations and 1,000 radio stations and 1,500 award shows. And do you know what I mean? Like, That's... And everybody has their own thing. So there's no reason for you to know anybody else's thing. And now we can't communicate with each other because there's no common language that people use. So like, even when people say something like, and here's the example I heard the other day, which is like interesting. If somebody said to you, like you'll hear you people younger than us say this, well, that was a little rapey. Yeah, right? I've heard that phrase, yeah. And people say it's a little rapey. And then the other person will go, oh, that's not how I meant it. And they'll go, oh, okay, whatever. Ha ha, because that was a little scary for a second. And then the conversation just keeps going like nothing. But I grew up in a time where somebody called you rapey. Those are fighting words. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, like, it's, it's, like it's not a thing you say to somebody. Carries a lot like, of weight, or at least I thought it was supposed right. to. You know, it's like, right, like it's not a thing. And I'm not saying that saying rapey is making light of it. Because I think saying rapey is like a warning shot. Right. Like, hey, watch where you're going. But they grew up in a world in which, like, I get kind of when the conservatives say, I can't even make a joke these days. Right? Because they grew up in a time at which, like, how many times I'd be around white friends who just made kinds of all kinds of inappropriate jokes. It happened to me, like, about five or six years ago was the last time I actually consciously remember. I was in a place that I frequent. A friend of mine owns a store, and I was in his store, and we were just hanging out and just chilling. And then he said something that I hear white guys say all the time. Oh, you black guys. Whenever, like, some, like, you do something cool or something that they somehow feel like they can't do some for some magic reason, Right, all the conservatives want to say that there's there's nothing special about black people. Black people don't have any special 
no special knowledge about anything because they're suffering. And then they also want to turn around and go, you black guys, like my conservative friends, like if I happen to be talking to a woman, you black guys are so good at talking to women. I'm like, I'm just having a conversation with the woman, man. Like, that's yeah. not because I'm black. It's because I'm personable and you're, you're a chicken shit. You know what I mean? Like, she terrifies you for some reason and she's just a nice person. Just, well, she you does have breasts and a vagina and those are Right, exactly. Different. And that's a very terrifying thing to conservative types. <laughs> but, right, look at our vice president. He won't even be in a fucking room with one that, without his wife because he's so terrified of them. Right. But... I've, there was a point in there somewhere. I don't know. I lost it. Along well, my head's way. swimming. So, um, uh, when it goes to the cultural narrative or, or no, like Jaws, uh, no big moment that we can all approach. Um, you already touched on one thought I had, which was, yeah, there, there were, there was a movie every summer and that was it. Now there's four movies every weekend. Right. And like you said, 10,000 channels. And it, it Back in the day, it was controlled. Like, yeah, when Michael Jackson moonwalked, everybody saw it. Yeah, um, like, there's only one thing to talk about. Right? One hundred and ten million people watched the the season finale of Mash, and they thought that that would be you know achieved by Cheers in the '90s. But by then, there were already you know several more networks and cable and HBO. Um, but you talk about rapey. I got into an argument. And I'll stand by my side because that's what I do with, with my ego. I can't be proved wrong. Thump, thump. I have, you know, my, my weak ego needs to defend itself. Someone watched the movie Animal House and uh, they got really pissed. They said it was a horrible movie. And this is someone that's obviously much younger. They got very angry and specifically talked about the scene where um, the girl from the checkout line comes to the party, gets drunk and passes out. And he's you know, mm. left holding, um, he, he's feeling up her bra and she passes out and he's holding toilet paper. Mm. She patted her bra. Remember that scene? Mm -hmm. He's very angry because he said that's they, that he almost date raped her. He said that he was considering raping her. It was, it was just horrible. I was so disgusted. My girlfriend was disgusted. He was thinking about raping her. And I'm like, and, and my side was, well, yeah, but not only does he not do it, he, 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 date rape was not discussed back then. When I was a kid, when that movie was set, date rape was, I, I hate to say it, like not accepted, but it wasn't talked about. In this movie, in this comedy, he has a moment where a lot of frat boys would have done the wrong thing, but he literally has a devil and an angel, his own conscience saying yeah. fucker and the angel says don't and he he listens to his angel and he goes i can't do this and to me i thought that was very powerful to have the discussion like this is the wrong thing to do and he doesn't do it and he was like no he he thought about huh. raping her and that's like yeah nobody was having that discussion back then and this movie got it right it said horrible thoughts would go through a guy's mind at that time and this was a step in the right direction of saying, you don't do that. And now we're at a point where hopefully, and we're not fully there because I've, I've I read the book Missoula by John Krakauer. It's a great book about women that get raped on dates because it, it's, it's disgusting. I don't want to go into it. Date rape still happens, but now it's discussed and it is, is condemned rightfully so. Um, but back then, you know, my, my whole point is animal house, I think really was progressive in a way but it wasn't progressive enough for today. And that's what it was getting condemned for. 
And then if I had any other points, I, I don't know where they went, but uh, well, I thought of that when you said rapey. Here's, here's what I will say. That reminded me of what I was talking about before. So my friend made the joke, made this joke, right? I did something. He's a musician. We we're talking about music. And he, was ta- and, he, and he happens to think that, like, because he's a white dude, he can't ever play music like black people. And I was like, all right, whatever. Probably true. And, but, then he, but then he said something. He says, it's just so stupid. Ultimately, he said, he said, black may be beautiful, but tan is grand and white is the color of the main, main man or something. I was like, oh, good Lord. Like, it didn't even make me mad. I was just like, what are you, 12? But that's the kind of stuff I heard my whole life. From people yeah. and the thing is that like you just learn to just like you hear the stuff from like people who are older than you with more power than you and you just learn to take it because you want to keep your job or you want to do this or you want to do this or you don't want to rock the boat or whatever it is and i think that now we're in a place where nobody does that anymore like, I think that, like, people, when people say do, I can't right even make, condemned. like, like, I know there's a, there's a guy in, in, in Woodbridge, or maybe not, there's a police officer who made a comment about a kid, and I'm paraphrasing, this is, I heard this story, I didn't read it, I heard it from somebody, so, so we fact can check Google it, right? People watching can Google. But basically, he, there's a, a young, a young uh, black kid put up a post of like him, just like a cute picture of himself. He's like, like, I don't know how old he was, but he said, at what point do I stop becoming cute and start becoming a threat? And the cop responded like, oh, somewhere between 15 and 18, give or take a few years. <laughs> I, I knew that was going to be the no. answer. It's like one of those jokes. Right. Where you the no. It's funny. You're like, right, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny, dude. It's it funny. Is. But is I mean, that but the coming from a figure of authority, a police like, officer telling? Yeah. If right? I said, like I put it on someone's staff, right. like that's Nate being right. an asshole because exactly. he's a comedian. Right. I mean, but if a cop says it, then what his, and, and I think he lost his job and he's yeah. really pissed off about it. Now, now, the thing is that, like, because people say, well, I used to be able to make a joke, but. You only used to be able to get, you only used to be able to make the joke because people were afraid to stand up for the fact that it bothered them because at that time, if they said something, they would have lost their job. So people just had a resilience to just deal with that. And so I w- my guess is that when women saw that movie back in the day, it bothered them too. They just couldn't say anything about it. There was no agency for them to ever say anything. So the belief that it was okay is only partially true. I think that women who grew up in that time period probably have a resilience to it, right? Because if you're a successful woman in the 80s, what you had to tolerate to become successful was different. You know what I mean? Like there was very little help in that way, right? And so like, I think nowadays people have more agency, black people, women, gay people, whoever, there's a lot more agency. So like, I think that, it's not even that things don't, didn't bother, it's like things are allowed to bother you now. Like back then, I couldn't let a black joke bother me because it literally would have been the difference of me being able to stay at a place of employment or not, 
or to be able to deal with this professor or not. Like, oh, professors do really dumb things. And, and it's like, there was no agency. Like, I asked a professor about Black classical musicians. And he was like, well, yeah, you know, why don't you let me know some and then I'll bring him to the class. Really, kid? I'll really, dude? I'm the, t- I'm the student. Yeah. You know. I'm the student. And I have to teach you so that you can teach the class? The fuck is that? Like, what is that, right? But there was not even a thought in my head that I should complain to somebody about that because there was nobody to talk. There was nobody to complain to. Whereas nowadays, you might have that thought because there's actually, an, you know what I mean? Like, you're kind of like, I don't say you're only allowed to have the thoughts that you can, con- you can only think of what you can conceive of. And there wasn't even a conception of a place where I could go. Like, of course, the cops were mean to me. I didn't shoot me. I wasn't afraid for my life. But of course, like, I got pulled over for drugs. And there were never any drugs in the car. And they ripped the car apart and tore, took all my shit out and threw it all on the ground and gave me some bullshit ticket for something I wasn't doing. I went to court. The judge said you were. I paid the ticket. I took the four points. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it was bullshit. It was bullshit. Like, and I'm like, right, it happened. But it was just part of life. Like, it literally was just, it wasn't even something that, like, it made me mad every time my insurance premium, like, it was quality of life shit. You know, my insurance premiums went up. So you just learn to, yes, sir, no, sir, okay, sir, I know. You just you just play the game because it's like, fuck, I can't afford this. You know what I mean? I can't afford to have my insurance premiums go up for bullshit, for something I didn't do, right? And so you just learn to tolerate stuff. And I think that, like, I'm not saying animal health. I agree with you. I okay, because that, that, like, I've been waiting to go back to that point because yeah. I'm like, well, I'm listening to you and right. I agree with everything like, you're saying. I, I think, but when you were said that, I think right. women would see that. I'm like, but but he does the right thing. I think that, that right. was my, so just that I, one I, little, I, think, I agree with everything. But I, I think that's the problem. I think the problem is that we have, we've gotten to a point in which it's like thought police. You know what I mean? Like we're at a point in which we believe every thought in our head is true somehow when every thought is just a thought, right? Like because we can tweet our thought and we can get responses. Right. And then it and becomes real. Right. Yeah. And right, they solidify somehow, you know. Yeah. And, and I and I think that legitimized. Like, and I think that like we're we have a lot of shame these days. We shame people a lot for their thoughts for what they say, for asking a question. Like if you ask the wrong question, people, they infer a bunch from that. And some of it is not accurate. Whereas back then you were able to have a dilemma, which is how most of the fairy tales are, right? You have Red Riding Hood as I can go down this path or this path. I can go stay on the yellow brick road or get off the yellow brick road. <laughs> like like everything has these paths and these there's choices. and these stories are taught to us to teach us how to make choices. And now the choices are already guaranteed because there's bumpers along the yellow brick road. And the bumpers are, that's a little rapey. Oh shit. Let's not go down that path. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't say it. Like if you just ask a simple question, like what if both people are drunk beyond the point of consent? You know what I mean? I Someone do. will go, well, that sounds a little bit rapey. And you're like, well, okay, then you don't even ask the question. Now, I'm not saying I know the answer to the question. I'm just saying, but it is a, it's a question, right? It's a question. Like, what do you well, like? Just to answer know? that question, um, this one, I, 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 this is my stock response, but this one I know. Um, it, it's not just I listen to a podcast. 
Malcolm <laughs> did a full episode on Brock, the Brock Turner situation and um, just, just drinking and, and sex in general. And I'm not even going to try and do it justice. And it's amazing. But he does actually break that down. What if both people are drunk? And he doesn't let anyone off, but he talks about, um, I'm not even going to try and say what he talks about. Malcolm Gladwell did a full hour on drinking yeah. and rape and sex and consequences. And, and I cannot I mean, recommend it enough. It's, my understanding is that most of the sexual assaults that take place on college campuses are alcohol. There's alcohol. Involved. Yeah. And that he talks about and, that. And, and, and yet and no college will outlaw alcohol. No college will do it because... Yeah, like none of the colleges will say no alcohol because nobody will go to their college. Yeah. Right? But like that is like I'm not saying that toxic masculinity isn't a thing because I'm a dude and I know what dudes talk about when women aren't around. Yeah. Right. So I know. I they're they're right more often than they're wrong about what they say about dudes. The problem is that sometimes what dudes say is not what they do. Right. And sometimes it's just venting and sometimes it really is dangerous. Do you know what I mean? And I get that if you can't tell the difference. Right. But I get if you can't tell the difference, why take the chance? Right. Like they like like right. Like a guy could say I was just joking and he really could be just joking. But why take the chance? Right. But now it's a place where like it's like the jokes aren't allowed, which maybe that's okay. Like I don't need to hear black jokes from strangers. You know I mean, I can do them for my friends. Like, if you send me some fucking racist meme, I think it's fucking funny. Half and I always do. I think that's right. I think racist. I think that's just. I'm like, oh my god, that's some clever shit, man. And I'm like, man, white people got a lot of time. They say there's no white privilege, but man, they got enough time to sit around and do this. Well, I mean, and there's also <laughs> 30 years of trust there, where you know that when I'm sending you something, right. it's because I yeah. looked at it and went, "Holy shit, that's racist." Right. Exactly. Right. It's right. But like, there's our time. So I could. All right. Well, like you know, I could do without the, I could do without the racist jokes. I feel like I don't need to hear that stuff because yeah. it doesn't, you know. But I would love to be able to have a place where we could ask questions. Where, like, white people could say, yeah, racism might be part of it, but it's not all of it, right? Like, this person may be be 30% racist, but 70% of it is this. And there is a spectrum. And maybe there are some things that black people could handle without saying that it's white people's fault, right? Now, is that... Fair, not fair, honest, not honest. I don't know. But I feel like white people should be allowed to say it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we should be able to have a conversation. Like, you should be able to say that. And I should be able to say, yes, that may be true. And white supremacy is a real problem. And let's find some place in the meet in the middle where if the goal is to make America better, this isn't going to be the way. Like, there has to be some place where we have discourse that is reasonable you know what i mean and information to get back to what you started off with information we can trust that is free like somebody talked about local newspapers that's what that's what you should do that's what you should do man you should start writing for the local yeah like start writing really good articles for the local newspaper that actually makes sense and like whoa little spider hey I mean, my dumb cat can uh, come. We're gonna go there. Yeah, Um, but yeah, where'd you go?
Uh, but that would actually be fascinating. But no, but people said that, that like local news is not news anymore. Like nobody goes to it. Nobody gets their local news. No, and no, so like don't. people don't actually know what's going on and they don't, and people used to trust it. And maybe we need to have government sponsored legitimate local news that is important. And you get candidates views on things and people do stuff and it's not this stuff that we have now and i thought that was an interesting thought that like maybe we have a bunch of big like it's like what you have podcasts you have hbo and netflix this and the other but you also have podcasts you know what i mean and that's like the local news to a degree you know like not you know what i mean like relative to the other did i say it even in this episode most of my news comes from podcasts now i listen to like 20 of them so they all get jumbled in but it's a spectrum. Yeah. I've got, you know, slightly conservative, ultra liberal, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I, I'm, it would be I'm, interesting to have, it would be interesting to have a local podcast or a local, like if you could, like if somebody would have a local news show that was the equivalent of a podcast, just people who went around and were concerned and got dissenting voices or just different opinions and just sat in a panel and just talked about local things. That actually might be really interesting. You know I mean? thought it would be a wonderfully low, low rated show on public <laughs> access TV that no one would watch. <laughs> right. But like, but why not? That's the problem. Like, why wouldn't people care? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't they want? Why wouldn't they give a shit? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, like, like if nobody, like the left and the right, nobody trusts either side. Nobody trusts the either side scientists either side's churches, either side's anything. Like, don't we need something where, like, we can all, like, don't we all need something to believe in? I know it sounds corny, but, like, well, we need a unifying thing. We don't have a unifying thing. We do, and you just said it right there. We have Brett Michaels. (laughs) Something to believe in. He sang it to us. Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> no, that's a different song. I'm literally no, no, I'm trying to think of something the, to believe how many, in. How many references can I make from them? How many that can we string to a sentence? Good uh, Lord. But the reason um, I interrupted you is because our timer, like I said, the timer time. went off. And, yeah, so fine. you have a show uh, this Saturday on the yes. 8th, August 8th. Where's yes. it going to be? Tell me, and I'll put it up at the bottom of the screen. Uh, Donaldson's Farm. We're playing trio. Uh, Katie Henry trio, man. It's Ooh, exciting. Coming, a drummer? You got a drummer coming in? Yeah, we got a drummer. Mighty Mike Dawson's going to be with us, man. He's a beast. I like old Mike Dawson. That's going to be a good time. Oh, so, yeah, we're playing trio. New, uh, viewers, listeners joining in. It's the Katie Henry Band. Uh, Barrett is yeah. the musical director. So you can find her at katiehenrymusic.com. Absolutely. You can find uh, the musical director, bass player at antargoodwin.com. And say the name again, because when I'm scanning through this, say the name again, uh, the venue. Uh, Don- Donaldson's Farm. Donaldson's Farm. I'll Google it's that. On, uh, if you go to... If you go to uh, you got to live in New Jersey, folks, or New York, or somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. If you go to Facebook, uh, Katie Henry Music, there'll be a, a post, an event there. Uh, or on the website, katiehenrymusic.com. It's on the website, but on mine, too, though. But yeah, we actually have gigs coming up. It's exciting. We actually have like legit gigs coming in, like almost one or two reasonable ones a month and like one a weekend, but one or two good ones a month. It's like shocking. We're like actually starting to do gigs again. Meanwhile, I lost an October gig today. They just <laughs> flat up canceled. Nope, COVID will still be here. 
Every Let's talk off air. Well, after we're done recording, we'll talk for a few more minutes. All right. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, so, since I'm not gigging, you can visit NathanTimble.com. <laughs> go to the merch page, buy something. You can go find books on Amazon.com or uh, search for Nathan Timmel. You can uh, um, find CDs on yeah. Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music. And uh, you can stream them or you can them buy them, whatever you want to do. Find them on uh, Instagram and Facebook, too. He's got some funny posts up there. Yeah, sometimes. When I remember to post on Instagram. Facebook, yeah. I post on all the time. Instagram, I haven't fully figured out but that's where this this uh this is viewed on instagram so all right yeah. that's that's all of it we will talk at you yeah, next we'll see you week. later thanks for hanging out goodbye yeah.